0: Hello and welcome to Disney Rewind, a Disney nostalgia podcast served with a glass of wine. We are your
1: hosts, Adina Winnett and Rachel Seedman. In each episode, we break down a piece of Disney media and pair it perfectly with a glass of wine. Disney Rewind is a member of the Disney Podcast
0: Family. Head over to at Disney Podcast Family on Instagram to see all the latest episodes and posts from our show and links to other great Disney podcasts. Cheers.
1: Hello. Hello. Hey, Adina.
0: Oh my gosh. Hey, Rachel. How are you? I am fabulous. I have been looking forward to this for quite a while.
1: Uh, yeah, <laughs> I feel like the first thing we should do is address the elephant in the podcast room of our recording rooms currently.
0: Okay, so if you have listened to our disenchanted episode, we left off with... Adina has picked Fantasia.
1: And let's let me tell you guys, we recorded Fantasia. We did. However, in recording Fantasia, it was it had been a while since we had recorded. Uh-oh. Is this is that a telling sign of what's to come? I don't know. But it had been a while. And we may or may not have drank a lot together. And we might have gone a little bit long off the rails and it just might have Away from us a little bit.
0: I think we recorded for no less than three and a
1: half hours. That is correct. And And we were even smart. We had said that we are going to do two episodes. We were going to split. We were drunk and we're like, let's just split Fantasia. Who cares? We'll do it as two episodes. You guys, I was editing it. Maybe Patreon people will get it. Maybe it's the last episode of Disney Rewind. Who's to say? But.
0: But the. Long story short, the TLDR is we are not releasing that episode
1: for any foreseeable
0: future. So instead, we are just, we're forgetting that happened. Pretend that I did not tease Fantasia. And we are now going to catch you up to speed as to where we have been for the last uh four months. Yikes,
1: sorry. Well, if you guys are wondering where we've been, we've been real busy. You know, twenty twenty three life is very different. We started this podcast, as y'all know, in twenty twenty, and the world and our lives were very, very, very different in twenty twenty than they are so far, thus far, in twenty twenty three. And
0: again, as you all know, if you've been following along with us at all, twenty twenty two was a bit of a doozy for the <laughs> both of us uh in different ways. Mm -hmm. So we decided to come out the gate for 2023 real strong with a four-day Walt Disney World trip. And my God, was that so much fun. And the fact that it was now two and a half months ago from when we are recording this is absurd.
1: Look, y'all, I will put a lot of blame on me because I, Rachel, have not been in my house my life for more than two weeks out of any given month this entire year. And I still will not be until at least October. There is so many things that are happening. After we did Disney world, I went to Vegas. I saw Adele. Ah, you guys, I saw Adele. That was just like a life goal unlocked right there. And then we, I flew, I flew from Vegas to LA to meet up with Adina hmm So that we could go to Universal for Super Nintendo World Pass member preview.
0: Yes, that was super cool. New life update. Neither one of us is renewing our Universal Studios annual pass. That was a fun, short-lived experience um, that by going three times, we got our money's worth. Hooray. Yeah. Great. Um, then... My other best friend, my other maid of honor, Melissa, who is also now a very good friend of Rachel's, got married. So I was super busy with that because I was one of her maids of honor. So I planned her bachelorette party and then all the wedding weekends. And it was absolutely gorgeous and amazing. And Rachel was there, which was also gorgeous and amazing.
1: You know what wasn't gorgeous
0: and amazing? I had the flu. You did have the flu. And so Adam and I had to lovingly nurse Rachel to health. (laughs) Along with Winnie. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I will say the Winnets as a household. Dear Lord, did I, I had a horrible fever. It was really bad. It was, I was very, very, very ill two days before this wedding and they took very good care of me. So that's true friendship right there from that entire family.
0: You are so welcome. And you know what? Cheers to Adam and me for our future parenting. Woohoo!
1: I'm so glad I'm your test baby. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes. I mean, you know that, obviously. <laughs> yes. <laughs> then,
1: what, what happened in March? Then I don't even I know. I went to Montana. Oh, I was right. in Missoula, Montana for a week of work, which was very stressful. Lots and lots of traveling. And uh, it, very fun. I got to see snow fall and like, cover the streets of Missoula beautiful place really enjoyed it had a ton of fun went on a little ski trip with uh, my co-workers such a cool experience so then that happened and then a couple weeks later we went to food and wine fest
0: <laughs> oh my god <laughs> food and wine fest was so good I had not been I don't think you had been either since 2019 yeah for food and wine fest and it it truly did not disappoint and the vegan options are plant based options honestly
1: were the hit of the fest i i know i said this On our Instagram story. But my little plant-based heart, as I've become more and more plant-based over the years, was so freaking happy with all of these options. If you are plant-based, Disney has super stepped up their game in terms of incredible offerings.
0: So amazing. And again, as I said, I am not a plant-based girly. I am an eat-everything-in-sight girly. And the plant-based options were some of my faves. So... Take that for what it is. And we are now mid-April here, which is
1: nuts. So speaking and. of which, I uh-huh. have a couple of other announcements coming up yes, that will you continue do. to affect our podcast. A, I'm going to Coachella next week. You guys, this is one of the most stacked lineups. I'm very excited. I don't need to gush that much about it, but let me just <laughs> tell you, I'm super excited about Coachella. What I'm also excited about is next month, I will officially be leaving to go to the Philippines for over three weeks for my job. So I will be going to Manila for the most part and then traveling around the Philippines um, for a long time. So, And that, this bitch is missing my birthday. Okay. I'm sorry. Take Not it her choice. With- <laughs> I know. Body. I'm going to take
0: it up with MindBody. Body. <laughs> Thank you. Um, while Rachel is at Coachella, I will be in New Orleans, and I am so excited for that. And then it is my birthday, and Rachel and I were supposed to go to Disney on my birthday. If anyone wants to join me, in Disney, <laughs> on May 19th for my birthday, please hit me up. And that's all I got. My rest of my year is relatively calm until the very end of the year, which... Uh- <laughs>
1: I, still I will tell you all about later. <laughs> yeah, I still have a lot, but this is getting us through the first six months of the year with me going to the Philippines. So I'm a, I'm a pause right there. You'll get filled in as the time comes. But let's get into our movie. And this was my pick after our last <laughs> episode. And so I'm going to tell you guys what I said at the end of Fantasia of why this is our pick right now. Because you might be thinking... What a weird pick for them to come back after four months and do. Well, you see, everybody, ladies and gentlemen of the pod, Fantasia has such an epic soundtrack that I thought it was only fitting to choose a more recent movie with equally as epic of a soundtrack. And that is why, ladies and gentlemen, we are doing Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 1.
0: Yes! I... Ooh, okay, anyone who knows me knows that I grew up loving superheroes because my dad loves superheroes. So the fact that Rachel picks our first superhero movie, I mean, you also picked Big Hero 6. I but, did, but I will our also Our first say. official Marvel movie, I find very funny that Rachel picked instead of me.
1: Here's the dealio, everybody. I actually am not a huge Marvel fan. But no, you're not. <laughs> I'm not. But I love this movie. So I wanted to get it in because I love this movie so much. And we'll get to other Marvel movies, but I'm guaranteed they will probably be Adina's Dina's fix. I just wanted this particular Marvel movie.
0: This is a fantastic Marvel movie, especially for people who don't particularly love Marvel movies.
1: It is. So, so here's a little bit about it. Uh, It was. So Guardians of the Galaxy was directed by James Gunn and written by James Gunn and Nicole Perlman. And it is the 10th film in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So that MCU, this is numero dies. Uh, It premiered on July 21st, 2014 at the Dolby Theater and then was released in the US on August 1st, 2014 as well. I'm going to say a real hot take right now. It's the okay. hottest of all takes and we are coming back and you're going to be surprised. I honestly didn't hate the Disney Plus description. It's short. <laughs> it's but I actually kind of liked it. So our Disney Plus description is a group of misfit heroes become the object of an unrelenting bounty hunt. I kind of like.
0: I like it. It gives you enough like li- the li- iddiest biddiest taste of what is to come.
1: Yeah. Mine? I, I'm i sorry. It's not that great. It made me laugh. And honestly, okay, that's great. all that matters is I laughed while writing my description. Um,
0: if I'll nobody probably else, laugh as well. No, no, no.
1: I, 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 We have the
0: same sense of humor. I'm sure I will laugh too. Let's go.
1: After double crossing his team and stealing a mysterious orb, we later find out houses and infinity. Infinity Stone, Peter Quill, who desperately wants to be known as Star-Lord, finds himself in the sight of bounty hunters from across the galaxy. Fueled by his awesome mix, Volume 1, and needing to escape prison, he teams up with some of those bounty hunters who were after him to begin with. A resourceful and modified trash panda named Rocket, an ent of few words named Groot, the argumentative antithetical Dream Girl Gamora, and the always literal and unfortunately comedic Drax the Destroyer. Together, they become the Guardians of the Galaxy and not only prevent the villainous Ronan from destroying his mortal enemies on Xandar, but they also manage to keep the Infinity Stone safe and protected. <laughs> what happened to me? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. You had a lot of trouble with that one. I couldn't say anything, but also what, what did I write?
0: What did I just write? Um, I don't know, but I did laugh at Trash Panda, if that makes you feel better.
1: It did. Thank you. <laughs> okay.
0: You're welcome. So as if Rachel isn't messing up enough here, yeah. let's yeah. add alcohol to the mix. Please. Now, I am excited for this wine. Today, we are drinking the 19 Crimes, The Uprising, and if that sounds familiar, it is because two years ago, over two years ago, we had a different 19 Crimes wine on this Crazy. podcast.
1: Crazy. um
0: For uh, episode nine, The Great Mouse Detective, and that was funny. I went back and re-listened to that this morning, and- um Rachel got the wrong wine. So that time we were drinking different wines. And I will say it was not Rachel's fault. It was Thank the you. BevMo employees' fault. Thank but you. But we double-checked. We do both have the same wine. So this is a red blend. And I'm just going to read the back of the bottle before we taste. And then I have very few tasting notes. I yes. saved
1: my cork this time because that's what oh, – good. That's, that's what's on us out last time. I want you to know that I do have my cork.
0: I'm glad I have my cork as well. But I'm just going to read the back of the bottle here. Then we will taste it. Have some very quick tasting notes because there is a lot to talk about for this movie. And if you want to learn more about 19 crimes, go listen to episode nine. The Uprising, a new wine aged for 30 days in rum barrels, pays homage to Australia's rum rebellion of 1808. Due to the government's hindering of the rum trade, the Rebellion was the only time a group of soldiers and citizens banded together to overthrow the government. A portion of this handcrafted wine has thus been aged for 30 days in rum barrels and is dark with jammy flavors and a smoky finish.
1: Mm, Jammy and smoky.
0: Jammy and smoky. (laughs) Um, So for the first time in 2023, Rachel, let us raise... God damn it. Okay. Sorry. So, Rachel, for the first time in 2023, let's raise our glasses with a very hearty cheers.
1: Cheers. (laughs) Ooh. Mm. I like the nose of that quite a bit. Mm Mm-hmm. That's bold. Ooh. Whoa. I'm reading the notes.
0: And it's so accurate and I love it. Okay. Wow. So the first thing you notice about this wine is it's very dark ruby color, but this nose, you will get hints of cocoa, red and black fruits, wood, and spices. I am particularly getting the cocoa.
1: I was going to say the wood. I get a real Mm. woodiness on this.
0: And on the palate, you can taste a... Fruity, sweet, smoky flavor with a chocolatey finish with vanilla and caramel. A
1: hundred percent.
0: hundred percent. This is a deliciously, not overly sweet wine. This is not a dessert wine. I'm not toting it as a dessert or sweet wine, but it is definitely on the sweeter side And it goes really well with roast meat and hard cheeses. But yeah, this is just like a super fun blend. It is made from Syrah, or as they call it, Down Under, Shiraz, Grenache, and Cab. So those grapes are then aged for 30 days in these rum oak barrels, which Rachel is totally getting in the nose. Mm -hmm. But... The whole point of 19 Crimes, again, if you want to learn more, you can go to their website or take a little listen to episode nine many moons ago. (laughs) But back in this time in Britain, there were 19 crimes that the government claimed. If you did these crimes, they would send you to Australia. And so that is how Australia was colonized. I, on my cork, have number 11. What do you have?
1: I have number six. (laughs) They're different. Okay. What does yours say? Uh, mine is number six. Stealing from furnished lodges. Oh.
0: Uh, Eleven. You will like this one. Stealing roots, trees, or plants, or destroying them.
1: Oh, I'm going to prison. <laughs> <laughs> the amount of prop lifting I've done, I'm going to prison. <laughs>
0: I'm very excited for this very alcoholic wine because, you know, it is soaked in rum barrels. Therefore, it is high alcohol content of 14.5%. But I very much enjoy this wine. Very drinkable. And I'm sure it will get us to
1: the point that we need to be at. ba ba ba, ba. Um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, this is so nice. I like recording. Um, okay. oh, me
0: too. I've missed this. Me too. <laughs>
1: Okay, okay. Uh, so let's get into it. I know that you did a lot of production stuff. And with you being a Marvel fan, I definitely am going to be leaning on you for that. I'm going to kick us off with just a couple of things. And then I'm going to let you take over and then we will save what I everyone knows I'm going to be talking about what could Rachel possibly want to talk about? We'll talk about it later. Um, So (laughs) to kick us off with this movie, uh, we have Nicole Perlman, who I said earlier was one of the co-writers on this. And she actually began working on this screenplay back in 2009. So this came out in 2014 and she was working on this in 2009. And I think that really goes to show a lot about how Marvel in the Marvel cinematic universe is really planned out and how they do want to be making these connections. I mean, you see at D 23 and we'll talk about when it was announced at which D 23, like they plan out Marvel. So freaking far in advance. Oh my
0: God. They have movies planned. I'm sure for the next like 10 years.
1: Yeah. So I'll just say a couple other things. So the reason that Nicole, started working on specifically guardians of the galaxy was due to her interest in space and science fiction Mm -hmm. and i just personally as someone who also absolutely adores space and read a lot of space books growing up as a kid uh i just love having a strong female write a incredible movie because she's attracted to space and science fiction and wanting to bring that story to the forefront
0: now, while I absolutely love that theory that and love that, um, I don't know if you know the backstory because I'm about to burst a little sad bubble for you here. Don't um, burst
1: it. I don't want, I don't want my bubble really, burst. I'm really,
0: really sorry. So Nicole Perlman was actually enrolled in Marvel's screenwriting program during this time. And I guess everyone in this screenwriting program picked a different... Uh, title to write about. So she picked Guardians because of, again, her love of space. She spent two years writing a draft of this movie. In late 2011, she was asked to create another draft before James Gunn was brought on to contribute to the script. I love this movie and I'm not knocking this. But James Gunn threw out her entire script.
1: Oh,
0: I know this is not at all Nicole's script, but because of the Writers Guild of America rules, she is still credited alongside of him because she worked so hard. He said that the script really didn't work for him and his ideas, like it just didn't fit with his overall vision of the movie. And I am so sad because I would have loved to see what Nicole's version of it is. So while she is credited as a co-writer, she did not actually write the script, and that breaks my heart.
1: I will continue to live in denial. Thank you very much. It's not just River in Egypt. It's my way of life. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Look at you. Oh, man.
1: But let's... I've gotten uh, funny recently. (laughs)
0: Clearly you've gotten very punchy. I have Uh as well. Um, you know, I haven't had that much of an outlet for people to hear me talk that much other than at work. And I find that I have been getting a lot punchier and people have made comments. So that's fun. Um, so let us bring it back a little bit to development of this movie. The president of Marvel Studios, Kevin Feige, first mentioned Guardians of the Galaxy as a potential film at the 2010 San Diego Comic-Con, stating, quote, There are some obscure titles too, like Guardians of the Galaxy. I think they've been revamped recently in a fun way in the comic book. Feige added that should this movie be made, it would feature an ensemble of characters similar to that of X-Men and the Avengers. The film was then announced to be in active development at the 2012 San Diego Comic-Con during the Marvel Studios panel with an intended release date of August 1st, 2014. Two pieces of concept art were also displayed, one of Rocket specifically and one of the entire team. And so we begin production. January 2013, filming was scheduled to take place at Shepperton Studios in London. And yep. Marvel announced that the film would be released in 3D. Feige did discuss that he wanted Guardians of the Galaxy in relation to the MCU to be more of a standalone film. It takes place in the same universe and we see some of the same characters, but you can go into this movie with little knowledge about Marvel.
1: This Rachel's girl. pointing
0: at herself. And you can still understand the root of what is happening. You can still get into the characters, feel their, their intensity and, and really be part of that experience without any Marvel background.
1: Yeah. As somebody who really, again, I, I have seen very few Marvel movies. I could probably count them on one hand, the amount of Marvel movies I've seen. Like I really don't, I, I know, I know. Wow. Um, I have got, when I had seen this, it was even fewer Marvel movies that I had seen at that point. It maybe had been two. So you still absolutely can treat this as a standalone movie and understand who these characters are. Understand, again, the importance of the idea of the Infinity Stone. You can understand all of these things Yes, they fit into a bigger world, but I think he absolutely hit it out of the park. If he wanted to make this a standalone, he did that because you do not need to have any other context to understand what's going on in Guardians of the Galaxy.
0: For sure. And the filming completed on October 12th, 2013. So it was a pretty lengthy shooting schedule. I mean, we've talked about movies on this podcast that filmed in like three weeks. Yep. Obviously, nowhere near the production value of this movie, but still, that yeah. is a pretty lengthy filming process. Um, I have a few other fun facts, okay. just in general, um, that we can facts. go into before you before you get into your dive, which nobody has guessed at this point.
1: Nobody's guessed um, what I could possibly. Talk nobody. About. Mm-mm.
0: This movie was the highest grossing film of summer 2014 at the North American box office, becoming the first August release to top the summer box office since ticket sales were regularly tabulated in the mid 70s. It was also released in 42 international markets and grossed 66.4 million on its opening weekend. The name of Peter Quill's ship is the Milano. Uh, and no, it is not named after the cookie. It is named no. after Peter Quill's childhood crush, Alyssa Milano.
1: Which, like, reasonable. Choice. Great choice. Good choice. Um, we also... though, so if I were to have a ship named after, like, Timberlake, like, I guess that'd be a pretty cool name but for a ship. It's not very spacey. Is Milano the spacey? Kind of. No, I don't know no, why. No, it's not. I think Timberlake I've... is way more spacey than Milano. Settle our debate. Um... <laughs> We'll put a poll on our Instagram story. What is more spacey, the Milano or the Timberlake?
0: (laughs) So while there was a lot put into the CGI, something that James Gunn really wanted to do was use as many practical effects as possible. So that included building the entire prison set, which reportedly weighed 350,000 pounds, And the size of the Dark Aster, they did not build this because um, it is 11 times the size of the Empire State Building, which is approximately 16,000 feet.
1: Yeah, I I think it's clear that they weren't going to build a spaceship that was giant and capable of having that many other spaceships inside of it.
0: Yeah, yikes. Here's a nice little heartwarming fun fact. Bill Mantlo, who is a legendary Marvel Comics writer, he co-created Rocket. He tragically ended up in institutional care after a hit-and-run accident in the 90s left him really injured. And one of the surprise upsides of adapting Guardians into the movie is this a benefit that brought this man. So... Mantlow's brother, Mike Mantlow, told The Hollywood Reporter that Bill was happily able to be moved out of the nursing home that he'd been in for 20 years and into a new home where he could receive in home care thanks to the compensation packages sent his way as a result of this movie being made.
1: Girl, it's a Tuesday night. I'm not trying to cry over my wine right now. That I is know, so incredible. But it's just,
0: it just warms my heart so much. It's like, Sure, obviously making movies like this gives so many people jobs and stability for a time. But knowing that this man who suffered a tragic accident created this beloved character that is now being enjoyed so many years later by millions and millions of people can get a small part of that and like live the rest of his life in a more comfortable way is just so, I found that just, just so wonderful. And needed to be shared.
1: Well, my heart has just grown three sizes this day. Um Aww. that is real sweet. I love that so much for so many reasons. Um also I just think that we need better healthcare in the United States of America. I mean, and I'm just gonna get like, on that soapbox right now. A little bit better. It
0: could be look
1: um we, just we only have so
0: we only have so much time. I know, I know I'm just using some to. of my
1: time. I'm using my time. <laughs> Your time
0: okay great <laughs> to be oh. on my soapbox. <laughs> Don't disagree. Anyway, let's move on. Rachel, I've been talking for a long time and sharing lots of facts. So now
1: it is your turn. It's true. I've been drinking a lot of wine, hence my soapbox. So I feel like in case you guys didn't Guess that I was going to talk about music. You're probably a new listener, if I guess. If you did not guess this, you are new to the podcast and welcome. We are so happy to have you. Longtime listeners, you know I'm going to talk about the music. How could I not talk about the music of Guardians of the Galaxy? So, this is a two parter. We're going to talk about the score of the movie and then we're going to talk about the soundtrack of the movie. So, yes. we're going to save the soundtrack. We're talking about score first because actually the score and the development of this movie is imperative to the movie being what it is. So let's give some props to our composer, Tyler Bates. I'm going to give him a very iconic little moment right here. Let's take a Ooh. drink to Tyler Bates. Cheers, Tyler. Mm-hmm. So he composed the score for Guardians of the Galaxy, and he had already worked with James Gunn in the past. And so he kind of had an idea of how James Gunn likes to do things, which is why they are a great pairing. And what I mean by that is before any of the actual cinematography actually started, James Gunn had Tyler write several themes prior to shooting so that the scene could actually be matched to the music instead of the score being matched to fit the scene. Whoa! So this entire movie was really focused music first... Movie second, visuals second. We are going to create this idea via music and via sound, and we're going to craft this movie around it. So that makes this even more, we don't have to take a drink, but even more iconic in how great this music is, because it really is what drives the whole movie. I know. Oh my God. (laughs) So. This took a lot of cooperation and working together between Tyler and James in advance because the scores would not only be the final piece, it would they're not a temporary filler. This is the actual final piece that we're going to be getting uh, and everyone's going to be acting to the music and all of the cues to what they're doing is to the music that's already written. So it influenced the performance of all of the actors as well. So not just how we're going to map out the scenes, but the actors had to hear all of this music so that they could plan how they were going to do things to make this movie visually what it is.
0: That that is so so cool. Like
1: as a music, I want to know.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I want to know like what other movies have done it this
1: way. Right. Ooh, that's a good thing to look into. And maybe I'm going to have to do a little secondary later dive on that, because Mm. I I think it definitely you can tell that music was important to this movie. Like soundtrack aside, you can tell that music is important to this movie and it really drives it. And so, yeah, I'd be interested in if like James Gunn has had this idea in other movies or if Tyler has had this idea in other movies. I don't know. We'll come back
0: into it. Very into it. Very into you doing this dive and coming back and sharing it with me.
1: (laughs) However, however, I don't know that many have because the amount of work and effort that Uh went into this was a massive undertaking by both uh, Tyler Bates and his entire team. For four months, they clocked upwards of 100-hour work weeks to produce the finished product. So... Not super easy peasy. They definitely worked their ass off for this. Uh, Uh that's four months of one hour, 100 hour work weeks. Oh boy, that's
0: a lot. That is that is a lot.
1: Yeah. So after all of that work, they actually had a total of 29 different soundtracks that was composed for this movie. Uh, Here's a quote from Bates that at least half of the cues in the movie have more than 500 tracks of audio to them. What?
0: (laughs) Holy shit. (laughs) I... Only for this purpose, Wish this was a video podcast, so you guys could be seeing my faces. Um, but holy shit.
1: Side note, I feel like we should figure out a way. We have to look into some tools. I think that we want to eventually, during season four, figure out a way to give you guys some video content. This is not the first time that we've wanted you to see what we're seeing on each other's faces. Um so that, we'll that's figure, an us we'll thing. We'll figure out. We'll figure out the Zen caster. Yeah, we'll we we'll come but back to you soon. We'll come so, back. So that's what I wanted to say about the scores. Like everyone talks about the soundtrack to this and how this is such an iconic soundtrack drink or not, whatever. Don't care. Um, <laughs> well, because I'm gonna say how iconic it is for like a thousand more times, so we don't cool, need cool, a drink. Cool, cool. love um, it. Um, but everyone always talks about the soundtrack, but this score, the work that went into this score, so that. Every actor knew what they were doing based on the music. Oh, oh, my heart's so happy.
0: I want to say it's unnecessary, but it's not because it's amazing.
1: Because it works. Like, if it 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 wasn't noticed, yeah, it's unnecessary. And, like, why did they do it? Except this is a really memorable movie. And James Gunn had a vision of what he wanted this movie to be. And let me tell you, that was the right choice.
0: It was the right choice, which is also kind of why look i'm not mad with a man getting credit over a woman Mm -hmm. but also he had a vision he had a vision he went with it it worked it's a wonderful movie
1: yeah nobody can discount that i'm not i'm not here to say that's not great james gunn you knew what you're doing speaking of which james gunn Let's talk about this soundtrack that I keep. Oh please, about. let's because it brought me so much happiness. <laughs> it is it is so great. Uh. I so as you guys know, I think I've said what my job is, maybe I haven't. I'm a trainer. I lead training classes for new hires and to start my classes, I play music and when I don't know what to play, I play the soundtrack to Guardians of the Galaxy <laughs> Volume 1 and 2 as people are joining my class to get people hyped up and in a good mood because this is just hyped up and in a good mood yes. music yep and we can thank james gunn for all of this because he's the one that picked every single song that is on the soundtrack so in february 2014 James Gunn revealed that the film would incorporate songs from the 1960s and 1970s, such as Hooked on a Feeling on a mixtape in Quill's Walkman, which acts as a way for him to stay connected to the earth, to his home, and to the family he lost. So that's kind of the why behind all of that. But in May 2014 interview, he added that using songs from the 60s and 70s were cultural reference points, saying... It's striking the balance throughout the whole movie through something that is very unique, but also something that is easily accessible to people at the same time. So how did he choose the songs that we were going to listen to in the soundtrack? Uh, He started the process by reading the Billboard charts of all of the top hits from the 70s, downloading a few hundred songs that were semi-familiar, ones that you would recognize but might not be able to name off the top of your head and then creating a playlist for all of the songs that would fit the film tonally. He added that he would listen to the playlist on his speakers around the house. Sometimes he would be inspired to create a scene around a song, and other times he had a scene that needed music, and he would listen through the playlist, visualizing various songs, figuring out which ones would work the best. (laughs) Which I just love that he would hear a song and make a scene around that song which we'll talk about in a second. I mean, second. that
0: just leads into our, not opening, but post roll the Marvel credits opening scene when they have the whole
1: kind what? of. Oh, okay. Kind of, fine. actually. Okay. I have something on that. Oh. So it's kind of. <clears throat> um,
0: mm. I'm sorry, did I get you out of order here?
1: No. Um. Okay. Yes. So- <laughs> Shit, (laughs) we'll put a pin in what Adina was just saying, because I'm about to get there. So most of the songs from the soundtrack were actually played on set to help the actors and the camera operators find the perfect groove for the shot, with the exception of David Bowie's Moonage Daydream, which was the only song chosen and added during post-production. However, to Adina's point... Gunn also said that the opening scenes were designed with Hooked on a Feeling in mind. However, once Gunn discovered Come and Get Your Love, the song Hmm. used in the sequence, he felt that it was a better fit. So it actually was not designed around Come and Get Your Love. It was designed around Hooked on a Feeling. Uh, But then he heard the song Come and Get Your Love and switch that for that opening number which is kind of funny that you're like oh that's the perfect fit. that was not the original song for that that's so
0: funny i mean what i was saying was that the scene was choreographed around the song but that's yes. so funny like yeah. with him picking up the little lizard guys anyway well we haven't we haven't gotten there yet <laughs> we'll,
1: we're getting there soon we'll get there uh so kind of few final notes about the music the soundtrack Awesome Mix, Volume 1, reached number one on the U.S. Billboard 200 chart. Rachel is probably a huge contributor to that. And <laughs> it is the first film soundtrack ever to do so without any original music. And it was also nominated for a 2015 Grammy for uh, Best Soundtrack. So I like that. did the- I did not win. That's sad. It really did not win a lot. It got nominated for a lot of things. Hey, award shows are kind of a joke. Um, Agreed. (laughs) Rachel has lots of hot takes tonight. Anyways, last... That's not that hot of a take. Um, Last thing that I wanted to say about the music. um, Only because this has a real special place in my heart. And when I read this quote, I was like, oh, I get it. This, this, I get it. Uh, James Gunn compared The Avengers and Guardians of the Galaxy... To the bands, the Avengers are like the Beatles, but the Guardians of the Galaxy are the Rolling Stones. Mm-hmm. I was like, fuck yeah, they are hell it's fucking. So yes. true. Sorry, that it's was a lot so of swearing, but that's true. so accurate. And as a big Rolling Stones fan, big Rolling Stones fan in this household. Uh, I love that. It was a perfect comparison. So thank you, James Gunn, for tying this into music that we all can relate to.
0: God, I love that soundtrack. That is so it's it's just like really feel good music, put it on the car for a nice drive. And I'm just instantly in a good mood.
1: Well, and I really like what he is saying, but when that first came out, it's now obviously been out for a long time and everyone knows all of these songs now, but he's Mm -hmm. right. Those are songs that you would hear and you'd recognize, but I couldn't tell you half the name of the songs that are on that soundtrack. I'd be like, I recognize them, but I don't know the name of them or who who performed them. So I also just kind of like that he gave a bit of a revival aspect to this music that again, was obviously popular to begin with because they were charting and that's how he pulled songs to begin with, Mm -hmm. but they weren't songs that everybody knows the name and the artist and everything. So I just also like as like a little extra that he brought some popularity to artists and songs that might not have gotten it any other way.
0: Another thing that I love is that, Disney owns Marvel, and that is why we get to be discussing this movie. So I did the ittiest, bittiest dive on Disney's acquisition of Marvel just because I was curious and I figured you guys might be curious. Well, maybe just Rachel. By the questions, when did Disney buy Marvel? Disney bought Marvel in 2009, and a press release announcing the acquisition was released on August 31st, 2009 how much did disney pay to buy marvel <laughs> disney paid a total of 4 billion dollars for the purchase of marvel
1: mm-hmm. is that mm-hmm. where the price comes from in the movie <laughs> i really hope so okay That'd be so funny cuz they say 4 billion units or credits or whatever the fuck their currency is is it billion or million i think it's billion
0: okay that's really funny And in 2019, CNBC reported that in the decade since the purchase, the MCU had made Disney over $18 billion at the box
1: office. That ROI is looking pretty sweet. (laughs)
0: Why did Marvel sell to Disney? In 2009, the New York Times reported that Marvel had trouble financing some of its major movies and meeting a requirement to raise a third of its budget by selling off overseas distribution rights. The company ended up needing to finance that third itself, which would be a great deal easier as a subsidiary of Disney. But Disney, on the other hand, in 2009 was really focused on growth. Our wonderful... Once again, CEO Bob Iger said of this deal, there are so many opportunities to mine both characters that are known and characters that are not widely known. Um, But who did own Marvel before Disney? And uh, it was an independent company. Marvel's chief executive at the time of the deal was named Isaac or Ike Perlmutter. And he bought Marvel back in 1998 after it had filed for bankruptcy. So Marvel as a whole, not doing super great pre-Disney. Um, but after the merger with Disney was announced, Ike called Disney the perfect home for Marvel. So all's well that ends well. And that is my very mini dive on Disney's acquisition of Marvel. Short and sweet. Short and sweet. Short and sweet. My final thing that I have here, you guys all know that I love my Ector
1: fix.
0: There are a lot of actors in this movie, so in order for me to, once again, not go too deep, I have just decided to focus on our five guardians. Yay. So (laughs) first up, we have Chris Pratt as Peter Quill, a.k.a. Star-Lord. James Gunn actually didn't want to see Chris Pratt auditioning. Nope. he was convinced later by his assistant at the end of auditions and after pratt read for 30 seconds Gunn stated that he knew pratt was perfect for the role of course i cannot imagine anybody else playing this role
1: i read the other people that like were going for this role and i was like wrong wrong wrong, wrong. yes <laughs> correct
0: um James Gunn actually stated that the audition was so good he was prepared to offer him the role even if Pratt did not lose the weight. Now we all know, well, maybe not all of you know, but he lost 60 pounds in the course of six months to play this role, which is absurd. Insane. And um, I, I don't love people like completely changing their bodies in order to fit a mold, whatever. Like I can go, that's my rant body image and whatever however it was actually like a very strict training regimen and diet to get a six-pack and he called it almost torturous which yes of course it fucking is yes Rachel's
1: raising her hand I actually had in my notes and I know that we're in actor facts and we're not really here or anything I had in my notes like why did he need to do this? He didn't. And he, he didn't need he to. He didn't. I found that he didn't. But I just found it really interesting that this happened, and I'm curious if we, because that let's let's all take into consideration. This was 2013. The world was very different in 2013 than it is mm-hmm. right now. I'm curious if he were to have been given the role today, and oh my god, ten years later, holy if he were to be given that role today, if we think that he would have done the same thing and lost all that weight.
0: I hope not. And I know that he has gone back. He's not as heavy as he was when he played Andy Dwyer, but he's definitely like gone up and down, which is a normal thing that bodies do. Absolutely. Since playing Star-Lord. But I don't know. I think I'm glad he's like spoken out about it being unhealthy and things like that. Like this is not what people should be aspiring to do. No. But again, James Gunn was willing to accept him if he didn't lose the weight and said, I would CGI a six-pack on you.
1: <laughs> but also like-
0: Also problematic. Why? <laughs> well, that's also I, problematic. Like, why do
1: you need to do that? Why couldn't- it- Okay. Ha- um, I'm on the We, we need to you. move
0: forward. Okay. We, I'm so sorry. Moving forward. Yeah. Y'all yeah. know where we stand here. Mm-hmm. Two more little fun facts about Chris Pratt. He apparently stole his Star-Lord costume from the set for the sole purpose of having it so that he could show up in costume to visit sick children in the hospital.
1: That's a very, very nice thing to do. God bless him. That's so, so Um,
0: nice. And he cites Han Solo and Marty McFly as his influences for his performance, which are two of my all time favorite characters. So very much on board. Yep. Okay. Kind of tying in morphing two characters here. We have Zoe Saldana as Gamora. Freaking love Zoe Saldana. Mm-hmm. She is, aside from being gorgeous, she is so incredibly talented. She joked that she's like, well, I've played a blue character, now it's time to play a green one. Love that. And freaking love that. But um, she nearly broke Chris Pratt's ribs while filming a fight sequence. Whoopsie-daisy. We've had m- several times where actors have injured one another, but this particular instance, instance. During training, the two of them would wear protective gear so that they could actually hit each other. However, when the day came to film the scene, Pratt forgot to wear his protective gear and didn't tell her um, because he thought she would hold back if she knew. So under the impression that Chris Pratt was wearing this protective gear, Zoe Saldana kicked him square in the ribs, which made him fall to the ground, and he had a bruise for the remainder of filming. (laughs)
1: That's why we don't mess with badass women. Damn
0: straight. And uh, she also stated that she specifically wanted to play Gamora with makeup rather than having it be CGI so that she could more accurately display this character. Now – we next have Dave Batista as Drax the Destroyer.
1: I love <laughs> Dave Batista so much as an actor. He is in so many movies so that I love. He's
0: freaking funny. I and mean,
1: he's so talented. He, he is, is great. so talented as an actor. Knives Out 2, Dune, Blade Runner 2049. Like, this man is so good in every single role he takes on so sorry it's your actor facts i know no that's
0: okay i (laughs) love him always welcome to chime in i love him as well and i particularly love this character as did he when he found out that he got the role of drax he broke down in tears overjoyed at getting a marvel comic book role he had prepared for the role with an acting coach because if you guys don't know he was not an actor
1: I mean, let's be honest here. WWE Fine. is kind of acting if we're being honest with each other. Fine. An actor with like a full script yes. with different camera
0: angles and you know. Speaking of acting and makeup and getting all dressed up it took the makeup artist five hours every single day to do the makeup and apply 18 prosthetic tattoo pieces onto Dave Batista. And Chris Pratt revealed that during this entire process, Dave stood the entire time with hands holding onto rails, which had tennis balls on them, with no complaints whatsoever. But eventually, the process was narrowed down to an average of three hours, while 90 minutes were required to remove the makeup. But he did that all standing? Is he crazy?
1: I mean, yes, he's a strong ass dude. Let's be real. He's a very strong dude to begin with. So like that is some mental willpower right there. He is a strong dude.
0: Clearly, both (laughs) physically and mentally. Uh Next up, we have Bradley Cooper as the voice of Rocket Raccoon.
1: Catches me off guard every single time. It, I know oh my god! Him. I know it's I him. I know it's him. And I try
0: like closing my eyes and listening, and I'm like, I can't be sure this is Bradley Cooper. Yeah, like, are we no sure? Lie. Like, is there another Bradley Cooper? Is there another? There. <laughs> Truly, I it's it's baffling to me. But he told Howard Stern that he was paid more for voicing Rocket in this movie than for starring in Silver Linings Playbook and The Hangover combined
1: insane
0: but for his influence he cited tommy devito who is joe pesci's character in goodfellas as an influence on rocket's voice so i guess that's where we get this like this is bradley cooper but it's not but i don't know i'm not hearing a lot of bradley cooper i will be honest
1: okay hot takes galore from rachel i'm not a huge fan of like celebrities doing voice acting roles i think voice actors are incredibly talented and sorely underutilized in hollywood however mm-hmm. with that being said big old asterisk here i think bradley cooper is the exception to that rule because i think as a voice sure. actor he is so talented i do not believe that it is him and i have no qualms with him doing that it's not some famous person with their mm-hmm. voice being somebody it is he is acting as a different character and i am fine with that i want
0: to to see a recording of Bradley Cooper doing the rocket voice just yeah. so that my brain can compute it properly yeah, because I, at I this point I'm still like WTF. Yeah. Um and finally speaking of voice actors, we have Vin Diesel as Groot. Yeah, we do. Yeah, we do. Him in this role. I I love it. He said that his performance as Groot helped him through a dark time in his life. He was dealing with the loss of his best friend Paul Walker quote I R. know R. I know no RIP Paul Walker I know so, R. R. Walker. Oh I know. god So he said it was the first time I came back to dealing with human beings after dealing with death so playing a character who celebrates life in the way Groot does was very nice I know there's a lot of heartwarming facts today I just I oh ooh ooh oh mm-hmm. my gosh that I love that So I will end it on Nada's you know teary up of a moment he recorded his iconic line we will take a drink yeah we. Will. it is his only line
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. kind of kind of his only line he has Shh. two lines it is three of four words he speaks yeah i'm just saying there's a fourth in there i know l- there less, is a fourth l- l- there's a
0: fourth word um so his line i am group he recorded it over a thousand times and he also recorded all of his lines in several different languages including russian mandarin spanish portuguese german and french so that they could use his real voice in the film around the world
1: i love that so much i, I love do him. too
0: i love all 5 of our guardians and i have a very hard time picking a favorite i don't know if i can to be honest with you because i love all of them and in- different ways yeah and like my least favorite I still really love and that's just like very
1: confusing for me and it's just anyway is your least favorite Star-Lord no (laughs) is it Gamora yeah. <laughs> okay. That's that's reasonable. <laughs> those two go back and forth in my bottom. The other three, I can't pick a favorite between the top three. I can't three. pick a favorite like between Drax, Rocket, and Groot. Those three are tied for number one, and those two are tied for number two, I'm basically. Number two. It's so true. And it's just, I. Mm, they're all
0: such great characters. Yeah. So wonderfully portrayed. But yeah. Speaking of things that are great. For some reason we still have a Patreon. And I apologize to our patrons for not sharing content, but we're still gonna give you a shout out here.
1: And we so I, I got it. I got this. Cause guess what? We have a new patron. So Rachel's been working. She's been workshopping over here. <laughs> Let let's do this. Let's see if I can remember what I wrote for myself. Uh so of course we obviously have Clocky McDavil Thank you for joining us. But we also now have, whoa, we also now have a new patron. So I just want to give an extra little jingle to the moms with magic. (laughs) We will be right back after we refill our glasses. We are back. Our glasses are most certainly filled. Rachel's definitely had some alcohol. And we are gonna open up this movie by looking at Earth in 1988, starting with our awesome mix, of volume one. Oh. I know this opening, I kinda had forgotten about this opening. If we each other. Look, I don't think I this knew is a great opening here. for us to watch.
0: Um, for a lot of reasons it was not a great opening to watch Mm -hmm. Um, I will say I'm not going to comment on how sad I felt I will share several unrelated comments number one the subtitles do specifically say Walkman
1: yes it is a walkman number
0: two hey look his grandpa is played by Mitchum Huntsberger from the Gilmore Girls yeah (laughs) Uh, number three I don't know if you have seen Volume Two. Yes. Okay. So when the mom says you're so like your daddy, all I read is what?
1: Yeah, I was. All the
0: comments to the dad, I'm just like
1: dislike. So
0: annoying. Dislike. dislike. That's that's not what we're talking about today. But nope. the the scene does end with Peter getting kidnapped by aliens.
1: And I will say, going through this movie, I have not seen this movie since maybe 2015. Like, I watched it when it was in theaters, and I've watched it since it came out, and I haven't watched it since. And I've only watched the second one when it was in theaters. So, same. It's really not clear why he's kidnapped. At all. And like, it's such a throwaway thing at the end. And I remember thinking as I was rewatching this, I was writing, I was like, why is all of this happening? As someone, we all know that Rachel likes the, the lore, the backstory to everything. We get
0: the lore and the backstory. Just not for several years. <laughs>
1: yeah. Dislike that. I Don't. Dislike. I did not enjoy that. So we flash forward uh, to 26 years later. And yes. so we are on our abandoned planet. And that is when we get our opening of Come and Get Your Love.
0: Yes. My questions here are, what technology was he using that he can see where people used to walk and where a little girl was petting her dog? Question but
1: That dog <laughs> yeah. was James Gunn's dog. So that's cool. Aww, Yeah. <laughs> Question number two. Uh, what
0: are these intense batteries that are being used to power his Walkman for 26 years? Because I doubt they have double A batteries in space.
1: Oh, they do. He stopped
0: up. He has not been back to Earth, aka Terra. So Yeah.
1: He got him on the black market. Also, going back to your previous question about seeing things, what what else can he see with that thing? Like, it doesn't seem like there's any boundaries to what he can see with that thing. Giant
0: question mark. If people Giant are open, question mark can on the he see that can he just like walk into how it's like The Sims.
1: Like, what are we seeing
0: here? <laughs> I have I have a lot of questions. Does it only work on the planet of Morag? Does it only work on a specific date and time? Are people Give pooping? Me the lore. Are people <laughs> pooping? <laughs> I'm sure they were, but we're not going to see that. So we have Peter Quill dancing along on the planet of Morag. He jumps over a gorge filled with the grossest, ugliest, largest eels I have ever seen. I hate it so much.
1: We know you don't like eels. We're I know we're, I really we, really dislike we, it. We know that you do not like that. But, but as then. he's going through this, he has his kind of little Indiana Jones moment as mm-hmm. he is getting ready to steal an orb. Yes. What is this orb? Who's to frickin' say? But it's we don't orb. know. We're
0: gonna we're going to be commenting on the movie as though we are explaining it to you for the first time. So he steals the orb. And then all of a sudden come the bad guys. Yes. Who are speaking, what the subtitles say, native language.
1: Yeah. I was intrigued by our subtitle choices for certain things too. And I said, mm-hmm. couldn't it be alien language? Couldn't it be right. other language? I mean, maybe
0: it's a real language. I don't know. But also, pause, is this our first PG-13 movie? No. Who Framed Roger Rabbit it was PG-13.
1: No way it was. Really? PG 13 didn't exist when Hugh Framed Roger Rabbit came out, I'm pretty sure. Oh. Then I think this is our first PG 13 movie. Sexy. Mm. <laughs> Disney Rewind After Dark PG 13 edition. It's got some spicy language in it, it does, and some spicy actions. So,
0: yes, the bad guys are there led by. Jimon Hunsu's character, who is Korath, I think yes. is the character's name, that is correct. Uh, as well as what Peter Quill calls Ninja Turtles, which that is how I then saw them for the rest of the movie is they were these little rock
1: turtles. Yeah, really Minions. can't unsee that. They were they Correct. were rock turtles. But we find out, again, this is where he introduces himself. He wants to be known as Star-Lord. Uh, not as Peter Quill as we know him from earlier. And I just loved that this is very much a uh, Pirates of the Caribbean reference of, you know, like, but you have heard of me. Like, I really, <laughs> really enjoyed that, that moment.
0: Peter distracts our bad guys he gets away into his ship the Milano after a little run in with a giant geyser of water that almost completely renders his ship unusable but he gets away and he's spinning and then all of a sudden a half naked chick pops out from the hull
1: look I felt so bad for her
0: I I did too
1: I was like, poor Berit, man. Like, I get that. That would be a real bad situation. He didn't remember his her name. He didn't remember she was there. What a fucking douchebag. I also love that
0: she is wearing the shirt that he was wearing when he was a child on Earth. Kind of funny. Yeah, that's cute. So as he is reconnecting with Barit, um, Yondu calls, played by Michael Rooker. Yes. And he was not supposed to. He, Peter Quill, was not supposed to go after the orb that was a task given to Yondu. And they are a group of ravagers.
1: Yeah, as said in Rachel's summary, he double crosses. I mean, he just Mm kind of, I don't know if it's double crossing as much as going rogue. Either way, he, he goes against what he's supposed to do. And he takes this orb for himself. And in doing so, he gets... The first bounty put on his head, the first of many nice. bounties mm-hmm. on poor Peter Quill, where Yondu would, needs that orb back immediately.
0: Again, nobody here knows what the orb is. Now, we then are introed to our villain, Ronan. Okay. Who gets perhaps the most menacing and horribly terrifying intro of any villain ever
1: he does and in doing so i didn't take this note until later but i don't want to wait until later to say what i have to say throughout the entire movie this gd movie that i'm watching i'm wondering who the hell oh oh <laughs> does lee pace play in this movie i love lee pace who the hell does he play in this movie Mm -hmm. he's freaking ronin what when i put that together like at the very end of this movie, and i'm talking at the very end of the movies when i finally put this together my mind was blown i will say as horrible and as menacing and as evil as ronin is as a character lee pace is such a good actor Oh, like, my
0: God. Amazing. Oh, my God. But he initially auditioned for Star-Lord, which wrong. would have been a horrible miscast. Wrong, So wrong. But yes, we are given a terrible introduction where he Spills brutally slaughters some unsuspecting Xandarian who's yeah. just like, hey, we signed a peace treaty. I don't give a shit about your peace treaty. Die. Wow. Sorry, I've, you know, put it into layman's terms. Um Then we are, (laughs) then we enter Xandar, which is like this peaceful little dome planet. Everyone seems to be getting along. It's wonderful, blah, blah, blah. And we are intro to two more of our characters, Rocket and Groot. And I wrote down a lot of quotes that were my favorite. And we start out strong out the gate. With Rocket saying, can you believe they call us criminals when he's assaulting us with that haircut?
1: I started (laughs) writing quotes from this movie and then I stopped pretty quickly because I realized I was just writing the script to this movie in my notes and that wasn't going to be fair to future Rachel. But you're right. It's
0: such a good script. It's such a good script. It's a
1: great script. Um, James Gunn, way to go. But... There is so many great moments with this Rocket and Groot interaction. You really do get an understanding of who these two characters are within the first minute of them being mm-hmm. on screen. You get both of their roles and what they do, what they're about, but I also just love our Stanley cameo that we get because we must Ah, uh, yes, our Stanley
0: cameo. I did forget to mention when we were intro to Ronan, we were also introed to two female characters, Gamora and her sister, Nebula, who are the adopted daughters of Thanos. We're not going to talk about Thanos in the whole lore because that's unimportant right this second. But Gamora goes and says, I will go and steal the orb because we find out that Ronan wants the orb. And Gamora says, I will go and steal it from Peter Quill.
1: And I'll just say, because like, while there is lore in the shortest terms, time me, Ronin wants the orb because if Ronin gets the orb and gives it to Thanos, Thanos will do Ronin a favor and destroy Xandar, who are his mortal enemies, and he will get rid of them. And so that is why Ronin wants the orb. Ronin doesn't give a shit about this orb. He only wants the orb to give to Thanos so that... Therefore, Thanos will do his bidding for him. It is slightly important to know that, but beyond that, you don't need to know anything else about Thanos. Correct. Well done. Nailed it.
0: So we see Peter trying to sell the orb to this man who initially tasked Yondu with getting it. And the second that Peter Quill mentions ronin the man is like, "Get the fuck out of here! I I don't want any part of this. Go find another buyer." And Peter's pissed and then runs into casual Gamora acting all casual.
1: <laughs> casual Gamora being casual, turning into badass, take no prisoners, Gamora wanting the orb. Then we have less casual fight in the middle of the streets of Xandar that is so beautifully
0: choreographed. And I do wish I had looked up the fight choreographer for mm. this movie. Mm-hmm. Shit. My B. But so good so the Zandarian police come break up the fight arrest the four of them led by john c riley
1: which again (laughs) forgot that this was a thing that that was a happy moment
0: what a random role and just like it's so out of place i don't know why i love john c riley i think he's hysterical but i just found him in this role very odd
1: i also just love the scene of him Explaining who each yes. member of the group is. Yes. Beautiful moment. John C. Riley, great mm. actor, perfect delivery, perfect timing, and all of the other actors as their moment is happening. Uh, I will give a shout out to Chris Pratt, who improvised his nice little moment of flipping the bird off to John C. Riley. Not scripted.
0: Our first middle finger
1: on the podcast. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> oh. As someone who flips the bird all the time, we love to see it. Okay, <laughs> so
0: then we see the four of them going through this process of being processed at the, the prison. Yeah. And we get some really funny lines. Peter calls Rocket a raccoon. He's like, what's a raccoon? It's like, what the, what do you, what do you mean what's a raccoon? You're a raccoon. It's what you are. And then he calls Groot the giving tree. I love that. And I cry. And then we see that Peter's Walkman has been confiscated by one of the guards to the song Hooked on a Feeling" as they are walking into the prison.
1: So here
0: is where we, number one, meet Drax for the first time. Yes. And number two, learn how hated Gamora is. Even amongst the worst of the worst.
1: We get some Gamora backstory. And again, I love the backstory. Gotta know what's going on. And yeah, she is hated by everybody, essentially. Mm -hmm. I don't think there's a single person in that prison that likes Gamora.
0: No. So everyone is like out to get her from the very start. So we then cut to all of them sleeping in one large room on the floor, which I find confusing. in prison people have cells rachel this is space prison adina (laughs) well we see that they have space prison cells why aren't they sleeping in them
1: they're not processed into their cells yet adina I, you're wrong
0: because gamora had a cell but then was not in the cell because she a few of the other prisoners take gamora And a guard says, oh, do it in the shower so the blood's easy to clean up. And I'm like, dude, fuck you. So Peter and his hero complex go to save Gamora because she is a pretty, pretty girl. And he says that he goes to save her because she knows Ronan and he can help and blah, 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 blah. But no, it's because she is a pretty girl and he is a horndog.
1: Yeah. And while in doing all of this, the prisoners have Gamora and it is Drax who comes in and actually wants a piece of Gamora because Ronan murdered his wife and daughter. And so Drax, out of every prisoner in that prison, wants to be the one to actually kill Gamora as revenge for what Ronan did to his family.
0: Peter steps in, convinces Drax, hey, what better way to to get back at Ronan than to use this woman's knowledge of him to get to him directly and then peter mimes the cutting the slitting of the throat that we all know very well we do what it means and but drax the literal creature that he is does not at it poor sweet and innocent
1: Drax, Drax does not understand any type of idiom any type of metaphor anything that is not literally what is going on poor yeah. sweet baby Drax does not understand but this is after Drax decides to lay off Gamora this is where I have the note that it is four billion yes actually I just said four billion for the orb which is why I'm like I think That is absolutely a connection there.
0: I truly hope so. So what Rachel is talking about is Gamora from the beginning had planned to double cross Ronan to get back at her adoptive dad as well, Thanos, and sell the orb to a third party. And the price that that third party was going to pay was 4 billion units. And everyone's like, oh, shit, that's a lot of money. So Rocket and Peter are like, yo, like, let's use her and we can all split it. And then Groot comes in and is like, huh? And Rocket says another great quote, asleep for the danger, awake for the money. (laughs)
1: Mm. he's trying so good so good so we decide to use rocket who has already said that he has successfully broken out of 21 prisons 21 or 22 doesn't matter sure it's 20 something prisons it's 22 22 um and we are going to use rocket to break out of this prison so rocket starts explaining to the crew what it is that he needs in order to break out of the prison. He says a couple of things and then he starts explaining that he's going to need this battery, but, um, it's going to, it's the last thing that we're going to need. So we should definitely make sure we have everything else and poor baby group in the background. He's just trying to help. Yes. Adina.
0: Um, I realize I did not say why I picked this wine <laughs> until this second, and it is because <laughs> of this entire sequence. Here
1: is the uprising. The uprising. Yeah. Okay.
0: I I figured that was obvious, but I am still going to state it clearly for the record here that that is why I picked this particular wine. Thank you. <laughs> so, <laughs> I was like, oh, did I mention that? No, I did not. Oops, you did it.
1: You you did. Not. It's that been a so while. Good. Yo, it's been a while. We're a little bit rusty. Continuing on, so Rocket needs three things. Yeah,
0: he needs the uh the arm, arm band control. from arm control from a guard. He needs
1: the leg, the from- man's
0: prosthetic leg, and yeah. he needs that little battery on the wall. And the second he mentions the leg, I'm like, I wrote in my notes, OMG, the leg! I forgot about the
1: leg, and immediately
0: remembered the leg.
1: <laughs> it's a great moment.
0: But as Groot is explaining to the rest of the crew that the little device on the wall needs to be saved for last because the second that it is pulled off the wall, all hell is going to break loose. Groot has already gone and pulled it off of the wall. You see this happening in the background. It is so beautiful. It is so hysterical and ridiculous.
1: My hero. I love it. Absolutely. He hears you need <laughs> something. He goes, get something. I uh, do not see problem here. Like, so- <laughs> Groot is so great. But in doing so, to Rocket's point, all hell absolutely breaks loose. And so Gamora is going to go get the armband. Peter's going to go get the leg, the very important leg. And Rocket is going to meet up with Groot with the battery. <laughs> It's the best thing ever because Gamora is just being such a fucking badass, and then you have Peter just being like, "So, what
0: do you want for your leg? <laughs> I need your leg." <laughs> <laughs> I'm
1: so stupid. I love it so and this much. is why again the writing of this movie is so good and these characters are so good that every scene that the character is in it is clear who this character is. There is never any question about the role of each of these people and who they are no. in the grand scheme of things. It is clear who Gamora is and how she's going to get shit done. It is clear who Peter is and how he's going to get shit done and it's clear how Groot who Groot is and how Groot is going to get shit done. Like, it's very clear. It's so good. And,
0: like, the five of them all assembling together for the first time, I'm like, yes! And I Guardians know that you do Guardians Assemble. That is literally what I wrote in my notes, but that's not the line. So, they're all in the control tower. After having grabbed their respective parts, we learned that the leg was not needed. Rocket no. just thought it would be funny. <laughs> Which is Gotta a running I love Rocket. So Rocket is trying to figure out his next part of his plan. And he's talking and he's talking, but he's not really doing anything. Drax, <laughs> I know that you... T- I- I'm just going to call out my favorite lines because I ha- I wrote them down, so I have to say them. He says, cease your yammering and relieve us of this irksome confinement and then Peter replies with
1: yeah I'll have to agree with the walking thesaurus on that one and Drax says do not call me a thesaurus and that is a beautiful moment I love that so much
0: but that's where we learn that Drax's species are very literal Yep. and Rocket says everything goes over their head and then he Drax replies with nothing goes over my head my reflexes are too fast I would catch them (laughs) and I just So it turns out that Rocket's plan is to turn off the artificial gravity in the prison. So all of the guards, as they're about to fire upon this tower with a defeating shot, are thrown into the air along with the prisoners. And Rocket programs these little drones to carry the prison to the Milano.
1: I'm going to be honest with you. I think Rocket is probably the most useful one out of the Guardians. Like, none of them, like, yeah, you can go kind of far with brute force and being a funny dude and strong and all of that. But, like, Rocket's a gosh darn genius.
0: Oh, he is a genius. And later on in Marvel movies, there is a question as to who is actually the captain of the ship and it's a hundred percent Rocket not Peter Quill.
1: No. Um
0: and I will die on that hill. But they all get to their little baskets of thing of their things that they brought
1: and Peter notices that the walkman the walk is, is missing. Which like if I um, were him too uh, I would be pissed. I'd be look, pissed I I get it, but
0: I also like he, it was as Drax calls him, an imbecile. He is an imbecile.
1: Of course he is but like he <laughs> has the ability to survive outside of this prison like the fact that he has this little face masky thing so like he could leave and he's gonna live like I'm gonna be honest with you he's not that much of an imbecile he can get to the ship but yeah so he but goes, if they had left if they had left them not him to leave. He,
0: they told, he told him not to leave yes but they didn't realize that they didn't have the orb if they had the orb they would have left him yeah he's a
1: smart dude
0: He is a smart dude who's good at sleight of hand magic tricks.
1: So we, he goes and gets his cassette and then he flies on out and joins the rest of the group on the Milano. And once they're on the Milano, one of my favorite moments does happen, which is when Peter calls rocket rocket, ranger rick and i freaking <laughs> lost my mind i forgot that he says that and i loved ranger rick as a kid growing up so having that was like this such a great moment absolutely love that you know what i don't love though is also I know exactly ship, what you didn't love but i have a great extra thing about it too when peter's Go. saying that his ship would look like a quote, Jackson Pollock painting, if there was a blacklight, Bleah, um, friend, disgusting. Gross. However, this IMDb thing had me cackling about this moment. Oh, uh, I was looking at trivia from IMDb sure. about this movie. As we do. <laughs> um, there was too many. I couldn't get through yeah. all of it. Yeah. Star-Lord's line, if I had a black light, this place would look like a Jackson Pollock painting, was ad-libbed by Chris Pratt. Black lights can illuminate certain biological substances. <laughs> this quip indicates that in the past, serious carnage had taken place aboard, presuming, presumably evolving victims of various colors. No, that's not what this is referring to whatsoever. Obviously not. Whoever, <laughs> who submitted that? I was cackling. I need you to know cackling when I came across that because that is not <laughs> what that means. Obviously
0: not what that means. It means that he is a dirty, dirty dog and he's
1: disgusting. Yeah, he's a man whore that doesn't use protection. What a disgusting excuse for a half human being. And also, friend who wrote the trivia. No, that's not
0: what I wanna find. I wanna find that piece of trivia and see how many down votes it got. (laughs) (laughs) But that leads us to the <laughs> our first introduction in this movie of Tanalir Tavon, a.k.a. the collector, a.k.a. the villain of the Guardians of the Galaxy Mission Breakout ride at DCA.
1: Which I will say, as I already said, I haven't seen this movie since 2015. Uh, I've gone on Guardians Mission Breakout a million times. I, a million percent. Thought that he was a bigger role in this whole thing. I a million percent <laughs> thought that this no. was way more tied in. Like the, the movie and ride were way closer aligned than they are. They're not at all. It's made up. This is all, it's all, it's all made up. What the hell? Um, so I. It is all made up. I, and- yeah, I didn't realize that when I was re-watching this movie. So
0: we arrive in the planet district of nowhere. Where there are no laws. And I love mostly everything that happens here. I find it very funny. But first and like foremost, they go to this bar. With gambling and like animal fighting. This doesn't seem like a smart idea. I have a lot of questions. Drax is having the time of his life. Groot is absolutely horrified. Yeah. My poor baby Groot. (laughs) And... Drax says, now let's put more of this liquid into our bodies. So, Rachel, drink.
1: Cheers! Okay. Cheers. we Will do, Drax.
0: And then Rocket follows it up with, that's the first thing you said that wasn't batshit crazy. Yes.
1: We can all agree with that.
0: 100%. Then we cut to Peter explaining several things to Gamora. Number one, what is a Walkman and what is Earth music?
1: Number two, what is Footloose? <laughs> Comparing her to the people of Footloose is funny. Also, side note, our beautiful and incredible Zoe Saldana is, while well, she says she does not dance, is a professionally trained ballet dancer. Yes, I, like, I know. This is queen, so this queen, I absolutely love that she does not dance when she so clearly does dance. Um, But yes. yeah, I also appreciate Gamora. Uh, as, as a single woman, I appreciate Gamora, quote, um, not giving in to Peter's pelvic sorcery. And that <laughs> is something... sorcery is so funny. As a single woman in her 30s, I think that's a really <laughs> valid thing that no woman should give in to pelvic sorcery. Agreed. <laughs> Agreed. Agreed. <laughs> but
0: anyway, we then hear some... After the pelvic sorcery, we... <laughs> <laughs> we get to a fight amongst the Guardians. Rocket and Drax have gotten too drunk and are fighting. And Rocket does not like being called names.
1: Well, with that, I'm also going to drink so I can get on their level. Drax leaves the group to go and do something. He goes and he's
0: calling for fucking Ronin. Drax, my boy, you doing? So meanwhile, while Drax is off on his little revenge side quest, um, the rest of our guardians are brought down into the collector's collection. And we meet Benicio del Toro, playing Benicio del Toro.
1: (laughs) What is
0: this casting? He is himself in every movie. And I said this coming out of (laughs) The Last Jedi 2. I'm just like... You are playing yourself, sir. You have one role.
1: He's not. And it is yourself. Honestly, he's like Michael Sarah. Michael Sarah and Benicio de Toro Toro, are the exact same person. They wandered onto (laughs) a set. A director said, "You're what I'm looking for." Put on this costume, and they just talked. That's it. That's that's what they do when they cast to a movie. I
0: I don't love it. Therefore, I'm not mad that the Collector doesn't have that big of a role in this movie.
1: Which is why I was so confused because I'm like, wait, this was very tiny compared to Mission Breakout. (laughs) Yes. So he is the
0: buyer of the orb. Yes. And we now learn what an Infinity Stone is. Yes. That is, it is this ancient power that someone who holds them can control the universe, can make things appear, disappear. You get a very quick glimpse at the Tesseract, which yep. we learn later is also an Infinity Stone. Um, for all you little Marvel nerds who know this shit, uh, like me. I am a Marvel nerd who knows this I shit. I know <laughs>
1: it. I just haven't seen the movies. I, I keep up with pop culture.
0: We don't know which Infinity Stone there is. We know that there are six. Yes. And anyone who possesses all of them essentially controls all of time and space and reality. And so Gamora is like, holy shit. Before that happens, though, we we have
1: our poor, sweet assistant. Karina over here has been uh, a little bit overworked by her boss. Just a little bit. She's not exactly treated very well. And so as we are learning about the stone, um, Karina decides that she's 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 done. She's a little done. Uh, and she goes to grab the Infinity Stone and in doing so causes a massive explosion.
0: Killing herself in the process. Yes. Because we learn in Tavon's backstory of the stones that no mortal being can hold a stone and survive
1: nope
0: miraculously all of our guardians are fine as is tavon magic magic but the entire collection is blown up and gamora immediately goes to wanting to do the right thing she's like this shit is dangerous we need to take it to the nova Corps on xandar so that they can protect it, we're not going to go fucking sell this thing. That's yeah. not, like this is a world killer,
1: right? This is not some random artifact. This is actually something that Correct. can destroy everything. And so she wants to do the right thing, but in doing so, again, our good old friend Drunk Drax has called Ronan to them. Whoops, a doodle. Draxie, doodle is right. What have you done? So, uh, enter what I like to call—and sorry, this is this is how I, I feel about Marvel. So I'm so sorry. Enter Swarm One, as I like to call it. Um, <laughs> yes. every Marvel movie has multiple swarms throughout the movie, Correct. and this is yes. Swarm One. Uh, later we'll have Swarm Two. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is Swarm One, and in Swarm One, Ronan and his peeps, his little peepy peeps. Come to get the stone and fight the guardians.
0: Ronan could give two shits about Drax and his backstory and just destroys him throughout this swarm that is going on. Yeah. Other things that happen during the swarm is uh, a giant game of space bumper cars because that's what I called it. I call
1: it because, boats, but like same same.
0: Oh, same same same, but different.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yes, Rocket and Peter and are Gamora an indestruct- go into
1: go indestructible.
0: Rocket pods. Pods. yeah. <laughs> but they are not supposed to leave this atmosphere. So when they go into space, they become a lot more destructible. And Nebula blows up Gamora
1: bomp, and bomp, gets bomp. the orb.
0: And Gamora is there dying. And Peter calls Yondu to come pick him up, give himself up so that he can save Gamora. I write Quill and his hero complex once again. And obviously there is a reason that he's not dying instantly the
1: second he is in space. That's a good call out. I didn't make that note, but that's a good call out.
0: And back on Nowhere... I'm going to go to my main question of okay. the film. How does Rocket understand Groot? They've been <laughs>
1: friends for a long time.
0: Look. my besties. I, let, let's talk about, you know, the Wookiee language is a language. I that Groot. It's clear that Han Solo has learned. I am Groot,
1: not a language. Just in- three words. There's, there's intonation. It's a tonal language. He's like getting Mandarin, a lot more from, it's okay. a tonal language. Fine, I will also say, as besties, you know what your bestie is saying, even if your bestie's saying nonsense. Fair. So, <laughs> so then
0: we cut to Ronan has the Infinity Stone and inserts
1: it somehow into his staff hammer thing. So now here's where we're at. Ronan has the stone. He's getting ready to destroy Xandar. Yondu has our Peter and our Gamora and is ready to kill Peter because Peter has double crossed him. And mm-hmm. he wants to make a make a example out of Peter mm-hmm. to everybody. Uh, and our cutesy little friends, our trio of the besties come together. And are actually about to save our good friend, Peter, and Gamora.
0: Yes. So then Drax says a line that I have never related to more as a person with ADHD, which is, I wasn't listening, I was thinking of something else. (laughs) Z's. Big Z's.
1: Big same Drax.
0: But then we get to this moment of, we have
1: to save the planet of Xandar. Yes. And this moment is so moving at one point during this the last one to participate is rocket and then he gives in because he says quote i don't have that long of a lifespan to which i looked up obviously how long a raccoon's (laughs) lifespan is oh it made me cry it's two to three years no
0: rocket lives longer than that he has a lot of body modifications
1: i know but all those little trash pandas that you see out there in the world, everybody, is two to three years. Be kind, be kind to nature. It's not that long for them. Oh, oh yeah. I so then let's, let's let's get back to something funny, which is
0: it's time for them to talk the plan. And we get a let's talk the plan montage intermixed with everyone getting dressed. Yeah. Rocket then says for this plan to work, he needs
1: he needs some guy's cybernetic eye. No, he does not. <laughs> That's so funny. Okay, but but the
0: plan starts with Peter reaching out to John C. Riley's character to be like, "Yo, I'm a dick, but here's what's happening." Fortunately, the
1: Novacore believes Peter Quill. What if they didn't? What if John C. Riley was like, "No, he is a dick." Like, <laughs> right?
0: It was never going to happen. <laughs> we have fight. Sequence, I've lost count, swarm two. (laughs) Essentially what is happening is Ronan's massive ship is coming down into the Zandarian atmosphere because essentially if Ronan touches the Infinity Stone to the ground of the planet, every living thing on the planet will die. So, aka,
1: for everybody else, the goal is he cannot get on the ground. Do whatever it takes. Do not let him down on the ground. So, the
0: entire Nova Corps, with their super awesomely shaped ships, interlock with one another to create this force field around the massive ship. Meanwhile, so Rocket is part of this ground team that is going to help with the Ravagers, a.k.a. Yondu's guys, to shoot at any rogue ships. Yes. Meanwhile, Drax, Gamora, Quill, and Groot are aboard the
1: Dark Aster, going to take it down. And they have this wonderful thing that Rocket has built. So all that needs to happen is Gamora needs to take down the shield door which she knows how to do and once they get in all they have to do is fire this beautiful gun that rocket the genius has made and everything will be good psych my my <laughs> notes from this point on are ridiculous we then see yondu work in his magical arrow back on the planet everybody is in the middle of this huge fight It's not looking great eventually because Ronan decides to kind of blast through the really cool shield that has been Uh formed by the Nova Corps. It's not looking good. Then Rocket to the rescue. He shoots his magical
0: gun. It does not work. And then lots of things happen. We have... Gomorrah versus Nebula. We have Rocket and the Ravagers versus the Space Demons. And then we have the Guardians versus Ronan's goons. Then Rocket rams his ship into Ronin. And if the ship doesn't kill this dude, what the
1: fuck will? I believe that would be an Infinity Stone.
0: Correct. The, the Dark Aster is going down. And Groot, I sob. I know that he makes it through. I know he makes it through. But I get very emotional at this part where Groot, Wraps his body around his friends.
1: Yeah, he says, We are Groot. This is one of the most beautiful moments coming from a freaking character that says three words. Like this a character tree. says, uh, you said he's a plant. I'm sorry. You corrected he me. A here. Plant, but he looks like a tree. <laughs> Thank you. So we we have this character who clearly Like I said, it's a tonal language. I was slightly jesting earlier today in this call, but I I, I do mean it that like he doesn't say a lot, but he says a lot. And so for him to change what he says and save all of them and in his little tree bundle, his little tree bones resort, if you've never been in Big Sur, 10 out of 10 recommend. If you don't know (laughs) what I'm talking about, look it up. But in his tree bones resort, puts all the lights in there, and keeps them safe as they come crashing down to the ground.
0: He sacrifices himself, but knowing he's okay. He's okay. Got me through this moment. Yeah. You know what was okay? Was Awesome Mix Volume 1.
1: Of course. It has to survive. So we get down onto the ground, and Ronan starts doing my favorite trope, villainous monologuing gotta love me some villainous monologuing it's unnecessary it like literally <laughs> all it's used to do is to like move things forward like just kill him come on man you're on the ground kill him yeah. um but instead he, you sly dog you've got me monologuing and after he is monologuing peter starts to distract really dance <laughs> uh in front of ronin As a distraction.
0: He challenges Ronan to a dance-off, and it did work indeed, because Ronan is distracted enough, shot, drops the Infinity Stone, Peter fucking grabs it, does not immediately die.
1: No, he does not.
0: So basically what happens is the four of them grab hands and are able to harness the power of the Infinity Stone, and then they... Unalive Ronan.
1: This is not TikTok. We can say kill on a podcast. We're fine. We're not going to get freaking censored on a podcast. They kill Ronin. I'll say
0: it. And then when the smoke clears and the Infinity Stone is back inside of a new orb, and then Yondu's like, hey man, remember I told you that I would help you only if you gave me the
1: orb? And Peter says, you're right. Here you go. Take it. This bad boy's yours. Trixie, Trixie, Peter. <laughs> uh, with his
0: good sleight of hand tricks, he did not give Yandu the real orb. So anyway, this particular sequence ends with them saying, wow, good thing you didn't deliver him to his dad like we were hired to do. What?
1: Yeah, this is where Rachel got upset because, again, we tie back, we call back, we take it on back to when I wanted the the why why is peter being abducted we we get it 2 hours later i did not like that no
0: obviously setting us up for a sequel because we learn that peter is only half taran and he is half some very ancient. old ancient thing
1: and so that sets up our sequel between those two comments of Yondu and then finding out that he's half human, we do find out that the Guardians has a sequel.
0: And we also learn that baby Groot has, has he, he has been potted into a plant and he is regrowing. So apparently whatever species Groot is can regenerate itself. Yes, Rachel.
1: Um, botanist Rachel here to come in uh-huh. with some fun facts of the day. Um, Most plants can do this. If you've killed a house Mm. plant, be aware, cut it back and continue to water it. And you can probably bring it back. A lot of plants, Mm. if you take cuttings and stick it in some soil, you can bring it back. So botanist Rachel here to share with you all that that actually checks out. And if you kill a house plant, you probably haven't actually killed your house plant and you can bring it back. Don't give up on your plants, people, because maybe, just maybe, you'll get baby Groot out of the process. So Mm -hmm. don't give up on your house plants. So that's helpful to know. Thank you. Um, You're welcome.
0: But then we get two... Credit scenes. We have our mid-credit scene, which is Baby Groot dancing. Mm, so good. My favorite thing. I love Baby Groot. And then second cut scene is the collector is back. Mm-hmm. And his whole collection is ashes. But we first see a Space Dog, Cosmo yes. the Space Dog. And then Howard the Duck. I confused by Howard the Duck because I believe up until this point, he has not reappeared in any Marvel property of this generation of the MCU.
1: No. Why would he come back?
0: I don't know. Like they they made a point of bringing him back in this po- I I'm very confused.
1: But I will say in the credits cuz if you do take the Disney option to skip credits to go to the end credit scene, you will indeed miss out on some cute things in the credits that I don't want us to forget. So in the closing credits, it does indeed say No raccoons or tree creatures were harmed during the making Mm -hmm. of this film. So just in case Mm -hmm. you're wondering, uh, one, they do call him a tree creature, not a plant, tree creature, uh, and no raccoons. So our Ents and our Trash Pandas are successfully healthy throughout the making of this film. And that, ladies and gentlemen, we are back, baby. And that was Guardians of the Galaxy.
0: (laughs) Ah, what a good movie. (laughs) That's great. To come back with. It was. I love that movie. Loved yep. our discussion. Yep. Really enjoyed this wine as well. Like, it was fun. I mean, I drank a lot of it. Oozy. So, same, same-sicles loved- <laughs> So we're going to prepare you guys that the remainder of this season is going to be relatively sporadic because as you heard, Rachel's travel schedule is ridiculous. But um, speaking of the next episode, I will share what that will be. This is a movie that I hold near and dear to my heart. It is not Marvel. And it is a movie that I have wanted to do on this podcast probably since we started. You know, it's talking about Guardians are unlikely people teaming up with one another towards a big bad. What is another movie that does that? Wreck-It Ralph.
1: (gasps) Ah! (laughs) I don't know what that sound was. I'm so sorry. I apologize to all of our listeners. I don't know what that sound was except excitement.
0: Wow. I can't tell you, like, when people ask me what my favorite Disney movie is, I will say of recent movies, it is Wreck It Ralph. Wow. It is my comfort movie. It is my make me happy movie. And I have not watched it in years. So I'm very excited to look into this and discuss it on the podcast.
1: That sounds, I love that movie so much. I love the soundtrack in that movie. I mm-hmm. love so much. So, a great soundtrack. So we will get another episode in before I go to the Philippines. And so, yay, I'm really happy that it's this. I do. (laughs) I will apologize to all of you guys. Again, I, I didn't even tell you the rest of my traveling that will be happening. After the Philippines. So I'm apologizing in advance for our sporadic nature of this podcast. We still love all of you. We appreciate all of your messages. Everyone who has reached out to us asking us where we are, we appreciate that. We're Um, fine. We're We're alive and well. We are just just a little stressed. Life is a little lifey right now, and we could go for a little bit less of that. But we don't get that luxury. So I think... All that there's left to do is uh, really raise our, well, for me, very empty glass. (laughs) I know. Bad luck. It's, okay, hold on. Just a little sippity sip. There you go. Let's raise our not empty glass and say for the first time in a long time, a very hearty and happy. Cheers, everyone.
0: Cheers, you guys. Uh,
1: bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Thank you so much for listening to Disney Rewind. You can listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Anchor, and many other platforms where podcasts are found. Connect with us on social media
0: by visiting at Disney Rewind on Instagram and on Facebook.com slash Disney Rewind for some fun content and moments mentioned on this episode.
1: Join us over on our Patreon page, patreon.com/slash DisneyRewind, and receive bonus episodes, shout-outs on the podcast, and more behind-the-scenes content. For more information about
0: us and our podcast, check out Disneyrewind.com. That is D-I-S-N-E-Y-R-E-W-I-N-E-D.com. Cheers! Cheers.